Welcome to Both And with Bessie Graham, your weekly inspiration to help you use your time, talent, and treasure to make a bigger difference in the lives of others. I'm your host, Bessie Graham, award-winning entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience from the grassroots to the hallowed halls. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump in. In today's episode, we're going to follow on with the second part of our two-pronged exploration of time and place. In the previous episode, we looked at how we can respond to different situations as leaders, doing some of the internal work to see whether there are situations where we need to be more adaptable or more self-aware in how we choose to lead. Today, we're tapping into a strengths-based approach and building on the work we've done to have a fuller sense of ourselves and how we bring our best as leaders. For me, I remember the first time that I took the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment back in 2008 and how incredibly helpful the language and framing of my strengths was for me. There were many aspects of the descriptions in my strengths that spoke to me, but one that really stood out was related to my achiever strength and the need to learn to live with the whisper of discontent. That hit me hard and really resonated because while I am someone who lives very consciously in a place of gratefulness and is a glass-half-full person, there is always a restlessness in me, and hearing it framed back to me as a whisper of discontent made me feel seen and understood in a very real way. And really, through my whole life, it's been an exploration of attempting to understand and get to know my strengths in a more real way. But since doing that StrengthsFinder assessment in 2008, I have really consciously attempted to cultivate the language and understanding of how to speak about and name and position what I bring into a room or a project or an organisation. And it has been incredibly helpful for me. And so part of why I'm doing this episode today is that my hope is if you can better understand your strengths and what you bring, rather than falling into a trap of always focusing on where is there areas for improvement or what are your weaknesses that you need to address, my hope is by you understanding your strengths better and having the language around talking about that, that you actually can start to not just bring a richer, fuller sense of who you are, but also that it allows you to feel more confident, to be able to step into being vulnerable and honest about some of the things you do struggle with, 
but you can do that from a place not of weakness, but from a place that is confident and very aware of and owns your own brilliance and your zone of genius, but doesn't feel a need to pretend to be good at everything. And in my experience, there is a difference between people who are cocky and come across like they're really confident, but actually it's coming from a place of insecurity. And those who are very comfortable in their own skin and are therefore able to be vulnerable and real and honest in a different way. And I would encourage you that as an established leader who is wanting to contribute in the world, if you can come from a really grounded, centered place of knowing what you bring to the world, then you will be far more effective and you will draw the right people to you because that level of authenticity is appealing and there is truth and honesty that draws people to you when you have not only shown that you are competent and capable but you also show that humanness of not having it all together, not having all the answers and not needing to. So that's why we're looking at a strengths-based approach today. This is a topic I could talk about all day. <laughs> I'm very passionate about it. But it's something that I think is worth you spending some time in. It was interesting, even my eldest son, when he did his StrengthsFinder report and was reading through the descriptions, he looked at me and he was just amazed and he said, how did they know? It's like they're in my head. And that's what I sort of want for you, whether it is through a formal process of doing an assessment tool and getting those results, or whether it's through simply mapping and journaling and talking to friends and colleagues and getting a sense of those areas where you really shine that you may actually be oblivious to because they might be so inherent, just so intuitive and come naturally for you that you may gloss over them and not even realize how incredibly impactful and powerful they are. But however you go about unearthing your own strengths, I want you to have that moment of, ah, this describes me. This is what I bring and it gives language to that. So some of you may be like me and be obsessed with and love assessment. So you might have a long list of assessment tools that you've done. I've done everything from Neo Psych Profiles to DISC to StrengthsFinder to the Erotic Blueprint. I love a good assessment tool and jump at the chance to do any of them. But if you're someone who doesn't like assessment tools, please don't switch off just yet. I promise that through this conversation today and through some of these questions, it will be relevant for you and you can, as I just said, you can reflect yourself through journaling or mapping. You can talk to others and get their thoughts and input and you can look back on your life and work to just spot those patterns and strengths. So you don't have to do an assessment tool if that's not your thing. In the last few episodes, some of what we've been doing together is really going on the exploratory journey that was digging in a little deeper into understanding you. Because in all the work that I do, my desire for you 
is that you don't just have a cookie cutter, you know, off the shelf answer to what success looks like or what your legacy is going to be or what your goals and dreams are, but that you have done the work to know what it is you uniquely want, that you have done the work that you have a vision that is uniquely yours, that you have a sense of the legacy you want to create that is not someone else's, but that is unique to you. And so as we've gone through this, what I've encouraged you to do is to begin to articulate that richer naming that better captures the fullness of you rather than the one-dimensional naming that you can often get stuck with that limits you in terms of your effectiveness and the expression of yourself. So I just want to remind you of that, that that is the goal. It is finding what is uniquely yours, what you bring that others don't. And I want to just create that space for you and allow you to sit with and uncover those things. It is not selfish. It is not arrogant to understand and articulate what it is that you can bring to the world. In fact, to not do that is actually robbing the world, your colleagues, those you serve, of what it is you can bring. You want to make a difference. You want to contribute. So this is work and it is a journey that is worth your time and effort. The other part of this conversation is to really encourage you to understand that this is not something you will do once. If you did incredible, insightful, reflective work 20 years ago that really has driven your career to this point, that's great. I'm so glad you did. But I can guarantee that you are not the exact same person you were 20 years ago. You're not even the same person you were two years ago pre-COVID. All of us have learnt things and shifted and changed in that period. So this exercise, this journey, if you like, these types of activities are things that I want you to actually learn and embody and bring into your practice as a leader because they need to be done in an ongoing way. We are always evolving and changing. We are always learning and growing. And once we know more things, once we have experienced new things, we are able to look at the world in different ways. And that can fundamentally shift what it is we're even trying to achieve or our understanding of an outcome. So I really encourage you to see this as something that is worth the effort to learn and master over time because it's something you're going to revisit time and again. So if you've got notes from previous reflections, then you might want to revisit them as a way of uncovering your strengths. But if not, then really think about the best way for you to do this type of exercise. I want to talk to you a little bit more about why I think a strengths-based approach is so important and useful for us as leaders. Rather than focusing your energy and effort on your weaknesses and trying to make improvements in areas that you are never going to exceed in, 
A strengths-based approach instead helps you learn how to do more of what you naturally do best. It helps you appreciate both your strengths and those of other people so that you can collectively complement and plug gaps for each other, allowing better outcomes while everyone stays in their own zone of genius. As with any type of assessment tool or approach, there are risks that people can use this as an excuse to not do tasks or jobs that they don't like doing. But for the sake of today's episode, I'm going to assume that as an established leader, you know that while we have natural preferences and strengths, part of maturity and responsibility means we do have to become competent in areas that aren't our natural preference. There will always be jobs, conversations, or parts of our work that we'd prefer to avoid, but that need to be done. So a strengths-based approach doesn't let you off the hook with those things, but it does encourage you to not spend all of your energy, and certainly not your best energy, on your areas of weakness. If you want to explore that kind of idea a little bit more from a different angle, I would highly recommend you read Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. So that could be a good book to add to your list if you haven't read it already. One of the other pieces I just want to unpack around a strengths-based approach and particularly looking at the Clifton Strengths Finder is that one of the frameworks that the team at Gallup have developed is to take all of the strengths and bring them into what they call the four domains. And I'll include a link in the show notes if you want to read more. But the four domains are an incredibly helpful tool that are useful both for us as individuals, but also when looking at a team or partners that you work with. So they break the strengths down into four categories. An executing domain, an influencing domain, relationship building domain, and strategic thinking domain. Now, my strengths sit heavily in the strategic thinking domain, and the team at Gallup who developed this approach frame that theme as that it is themes that answer the question, how do you absorb, think about, and analyze information and situations? These themes help you make better decisions and create better outcomes. When teams need to focus on what could be, they turn to people with strategic thinking themes to stretch the team's thinking for the future. Now, when I read that description of strategic thinking domain, that completely describes me and where I am best at operating and where I love to operate. So you can see that not only do the individual strengths, so for example, my top five strengths are learner, intellection, achiever, context, and connectedness. So understanding and looking at the descriptions of my strengths is incredibly helpful and insightful. But then taking it that step further and looking at which domain you sit in more naturally, some people will be nicely spread across them. For me, three of my five are in strategic thinking, and then I have one in executing and one in relationship building. Everyone will be different, but looking at those can be really helpful. And in previous organizations that I have built, it has been 
really fascinating to map out the strengths across the team and then see where we all sit in those four domains. Very often, like attract like. So you'll find that you have a team heavily skewed towards strategic thinking and executing, but lacking in, say, influencing or relationship building, for example. So by being conscious of this and finding ways to tap into your own and others' strengths, while also making decisions about whether you actually need to actively bring in some people with strengths in other areas or those other domains, can be a really helpful exercise for us as leaders. And I would say that any of the thinking or reflection you do through listening to this podcast or working with me or watching my videos, I would encourage you to always take it that next step. So this is useful for you as a leader wanting to contribute in the world. But these types of exercises are also really helpful for you to then drill down into your team, whether that is in a broader, large organization and you do it across the executive and management teams and then they filter it down from there. Or if you have a small team, it might be doing it with your whole team directly yourself. But however you do that, think about the people you work with, the people that you love and are in relationships with and see how just understanding them better might also improve your relationships. When it comes to bringing different parts of yourself to your role as a leader, one of the beautiful components is the opportunity to bring your humanness. What do I mean by that? Well, just as we all know that part of what we have to build with customers in order for them to feel comfortable to make a purchasing decision with us, is the aspect of know, like, and trust. Part of being a more authentic and effective leader is to demonstrate that you don't actually have all the answers and a superhuman ability to never make mistakes. Whether with your customers, team, board, or investors, you can use this to your advantage. Obviously, you don't want to start running around telling everyone that you're completely incompetent and have no idea what you're doing, although there are times when being very open about not knowing the answer is actually the best thing you can do. There is a middle ground. Imagine me saying there's a middle ground. It almost sounds like we're talking about a both-and approach to the world or something crazy like that. So, this middle ground. And why would you want to be so vulnerable as to admit when you don't know the answer? You make a mistake or you're struggling. Well, you are already an established leader. You have track record and people know that you deliver. So maybe now you can stop trying to prove so much. Sit confidently in that knowledge and start to think about how you can up-level by showing up in a different way. A way that both allows you to be more authentically yourself and at the same time allows others to learn from your mistakes and insights and realise that they are not the only ones struggling with certain issues or challenges. Being authentic like this requires you to let go of any kind of scarcity mindset 
the worries that there's not enough to go around and that if you don't grab every win for yourself, then someone else is going to get the better of you. Instead of that scarcity mindset, we need to create environments and cultures that expand and create mutual benefit rather than cultures where there is only one pie and someone having a slice means there's less for everyone else. So that is just a little snippet of the next step, if you like, of what can emerge once you own and really take on board a strengths-based approach to your leadership style. But for today's episode, rather than do the reflective practice or questions inside the episode with you like we usually do, I instead want you to take some time to do that yourself over the next week. And there's obviously a whole range of ways that you could do this, but two options are, firstly, you could do or revisit your preferred assessment tool. So if you've already done some assessment tools in the past that you liked, you could revisit those. If you haven't, but you're curious, you could pick one of them and do an assessment tool. And then I want you to sit with and reflect on the descriptions that they give to really draw out what are the insights, the naming or the themes that are most helpful for you in how you think about and talk about what you bring as a leader. So that's the first option, some of those formal assessment type tools. The other option for those of you who don't want to go down that road is to do some mapping and ask a handful of close friends or colleagues to describe to you what they see as your unique gifts and strengths. So you could do this just through an email or a text message or a phone call, however you want to. But ask them that question and then, you know, some follow-on questions could be to ask them, what do they appreciate most about you? What would they come to you for help or advice on? Their answers will give you some glimmer or insight into areas that you may have missed or taken for granted. Because like I said earlier in the episode, often our strengths and what we bring, so that sort of zone of genius or our brilliance, sits in areas that we really hardly even see because we think, oh my goodness, that was really easy. That just came naturally. It was very intuitive. But what is intuitive to me will not necessarily be intuitive to you. So I might think something is incredibly easy that you actually would really value and don't have access to yourself. So this questioning of friends or colleagues can help actually shine a light on some of those areas that you may not be seeing. So that's where I'm going to leave it for today. So we've talked about the importance and why a strengths-based approach can be so incredibly helpful for us as leaders, both in understanding ourselves and our teams or others around us. And then we've talked about one of the really lovely flow-on effects, if you like, that can come from that around Once we have that level of confidence and we're owning our own brilliance and naming our strengths and sitting in that quiet confidence, it allows us to bring more of that humanness to the way we lead. 
So seeing you go through that transition is what I'm after here. I want you to get to that place where you can be more vulnerable and authentic in sharing areas of struggle or what you had previously seen as failure and may not have shared openly. But bring those to your work because I guarantee you that they will draw people to you in a new way and they will definitely up-level you as a leader in terms of, as I said before, if you are already an established leader, you have track record, people know that you deliver. So this next step of opening up that more human vulnerable side actually is the way to now take your leadership to the next level. So that's my hope for you. And I would absolutely love to hear from any of you who are thinking about or grappling with the responses or thoughts that are coming up in your own mapping, in the assessment tools, or the responses you're getting from friends and colleagues. So please reach out if you want to have a chat or if you want to explore some of that further, because I know from personal experience and from working with many other people over the years that this is such a powerful tool to have in your toolkit as a leader. So again, thank you for being on this journey with me as we together explore and learn to live and lead more meaningful lives. Thank you so much for listening to Both And with Bessie Graham. You know you were born to do something significant, so don't leave it to chance. Join me each week to pick up quick tips and ideas that will support you on your journey to live and lead a meaningful life. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode and leave us a review so that other people can find us and feel a little less lonely and a little more supported on their journey of leadership. If you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, you'll find the link in the episode notes. Please join us. Thank you so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each week. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.